0: Hello. On this podcast, we talk about movies, their faults, their flaws, and their plots. So, expect some spoilers. You've been warned. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Plot Spackle! Hi, I'm John, and animals usually like me.
2: I'm Richard, and it's really awkward when someone mistakes you for
0: someone else. I'm Eric, and planning a party can be murder. Today we have a triple-sode, but first, what are we going to fill our plot holes with?
1: Suspense? Murder? Director cameos? That's it. We are doing a triple-sode on Alfred Hitchcock films. Specifically, we each picked a Alfred Hitchcock film that we really enjoyed. might even say it's our favorite. What movie are you going to be talking about, Richard?
2: I am doing North by Northwest.
0: Eric? I'm going to be discussing the movie Rope. And I am going to be talking about The Birds. So, Richard, what is your movie about? So,
2: my movie is about an advertising executive Roger Thornhill who finds himself self being mistaken by a man or for a man by the name of George Kaplan who is involved in some kind of international spy
0: stuff and a bunch of people want to kill him.
1: So Eric, what is Rope about?
0: So Rope is about two college students who feel that they are intellectually superior to one of their fellow classmates and as such decide to murder him. Rope is significant, though, that it is filmed in a quote-unquote continuous take, so it takes place in real time.
1: So the movie is the version. The is very specifically Hitchcock's version of the long take.
0: Very much so. Um, the takes. I th- I can't remember exactly how long they go, but every couple of minutes there will be a pan, so they can switch out the reel of film. But it is a quote-unquote continuous take, and the. Uh, environment or the the set is changing with the time as well so you'll see it go from late day to nighttime throughout the movie yep it's broken up into 10 different segments
2: and they're not like anytime there were like camera changes most of the time it would pan behind somebody to hide most of the cuts in the film so clever cuts And then the, like when they had to actually change film reels and camera locations and camera setups,
0: they don't hide it. So what about you, John? What, why is the birds interesting to you and what is it about? So the birds is about Melanie Daniels.
1: She's a San Francisco socialite and she knows what she wants. And what she wants is to uh, try and flirt with Mitch Brenner. Unfortunately, the birds of the sky know what they want and they want human flesh. Did not
2: they do a remake of that one recently, Birdemic?
1: Well, it's not recent, and Birdemic is not very good.
0: We'll talk about that on our, yeah. our So Bad show. But let's just say they made really great use of those bird gifts. They
1: did. <laughs> but yeah, so the birds, rope, and north by northwest. And since we brought it up, where's your director cameo? So my director cameo is very beginning of the film when um melanie daniels tippy hedren's character is walking into the bird shop as she's walking in alfred hitchcock walks out walking two docks
2: all right in north by northwest while uh they're doing the opening credits with their really fancy like animated opening credits right at the end as they're cutting to fading into the real city of chicago or new york not to chicago yet fading into new york it has the producer credit for Alfred Hitchcock, and then it shows him almost making it onto a bus, and then he doesn't
0: make it and has to stand by the curb and look sad. Uh huh. So in Rope, the director cameo actually is uh, Alfred Hitchcock's famous silhouette. Uh, the you know you know you know the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It actually appears as a neon sign in the background. So Alfred Hitchcock himself is not in this movie, but his silhouette is. Okay. All right.
1: So what are our special facts about? Your movie, Richard. What are our details?
2: All right. So, North by Northwest was released on the 26th of September, 1959. Had a budget of a little 3.1 million and was grossed about 9.8 million at the box office. A little bit better than 2 to 1 returns. But since then, it's earned about 55 million and was uh, deemed a cultural and... Uh, film
0: milestone in 95 and put into the, uh, movie archives. So rope came out in 1948 and it is based on a 1929 play by the same name. And that play was actually inspired by the 19 or people believe that the play was inspired by the 1924 murder of Bobby Franks by university of Chicago students, Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb. Uh, The movie had a budget of $1.5 million and grossed about $2.7 million. All
1: right. Now, The Birds was released in 1963 on March 28th. It had a $3.3 million budget and $11.4 million box office. It, too, was uh, recognized as being culturally significant uh, by the Library of Congress and preserved in the National Film Registry in 2016. Really?
0: That long? That's surprising that that was that late.
1: It might be that they could consider it at a specific time after their production.
0: That could be. But I mean, I was I took a film class in high school, and I remember watching The Birds because it was a culturally significant movie. But uh, it might might have been more of a technical uh, movie as well. That might have been the reason why we watched it, but it was still very good. But maybe we should move into the plot holes.
1: All right. So, what movie do we want to question
0: first. I think we should go with Richard's. All right. My movie only has one plot hole, supposedly based on IMDb. And John, yours has how many?
1: I have, uh three, a couple from IMDb and another from MovieMistakes.com.
0: Okay. So let's go with Richard since his has he was more proactive in his research.
2: Mine has a total of five between MovieMistakes.com and IMDb.
0: All right. So let's, let's get into these movies but i'm not gonna be much help on this one because i actually have never seen north by northwest
1: unfortunately neither have i
0: which i found out literally
2: the day that we came to record this otherwise i would have like tied them to chairs and made them watch this because it's a good movie
1: i no doubt. no i don't doubt that it's just i was hoping you were gonna watch it at some convenient time and then
0: i could watch it too and unfortunately I only watched it at inconvenient times. Anyways, let's get back into the plot holes. Richard, you'll try we'll try and like throw stuff out there and see what sticks. You can correct us if we're like completely absolutely wrong. I mean to be fair, you can just pitch him
2: at me, because I have done research on all of these plot holes. He's
1: ready. So we're just gonna throw these plot holes at him and then he is gonna respond. So, when Eve is being led out to the airplane, she bolts. When two shots are fired from inside the house. Presumably, Anna firing at Thornhill, not realizing the gun was loaded with blanks. Moments later, she jumps into a car driven by Thornhill, and they escape together. There is no way Thornhill could have gotten there that fast, given that he was in the house only seconds earlier. So,
2: with this film, much like with Rope, we have a lot of Alfred Hitchcock like to have things happen in real time. Earlier in the film, they talk about how the pilot's going to be landing an airplane in about 10 minutes, and Literally 10 minutes later in film time, the airplane lands. So in this scene, it's one where the person didn't really pay attention to the film because after the two shots are fired, you actually watch Roger Thornhill run out of the house, climb into a car, and start gunning that car down the driveway to go and get pick up Anna. So while we do a quick cut back to Anna while she's being chased by... uh van Dam, and then we cut back to roger and the car being further down the driveway we watch him leave the house and get in the car to go pick her up
1: all
0: right okay so next plot hole for you richard the villains try to kill carrie grant by getting him drunk and sending him off a cliff in a white mercedes he manages to get back on the road and they follow him in a cadillac limousine carrie passes a parked police car which gives chase He brakes to avoid a bicyclist and and the police car rear ends the Mercedes. Immediately, a blue 1941 Ford rear ends the police car. Where did it come from? It would have had to have been ahead of the Cadillac and very close to the police car to do so, but it doesn't appear until the moment of impact. So I did a lot of research on this one before just re-watching the scene and all of my research
2: ended up being completely unnecessary after watching the scene because you actually do see the car following the police car. There's several shots where it looks over Roger's shoulder to show the back of the road while he's trying to drunk drive this car. And for most of it, you don't see any vehicles on the road behind him, despite knowing that the bad guys are following him in their black limousine. So we know that they're following far enough away to not get involved in any of it. But once he passes the police car and it's got the sirens, and it does an over-the-shoulder shot, you see both the police car's headlights and the lights of another car following the police car. That's
1: where your car comes from. It's been there the whole time. And you just weren't paying attention. Alright, uh, how about this one? After the UN killing, Thornhill is fleeing aimlessly. Nobody, not even himself, knows where he's going to end up. Even at Grand Central, he boards the train by chance. There's no way Van Dam and his team could have known where they um, had to plant their agent. Eve, to meet him, especially because he boards the train less than five minutes before it leaves, which means they couldn't have even gotten a ticket. Besides, all bedrooms were taken, as told to Thornhill by the cashier, but Eve miraculously still got one.
2: All right. So, again, not really paying attention to the film, I guess, because Roger isn't fleeing aimlessly. Earlier in the film, when he's accused of being George Kaplan, he is given Kaplan's itinerary, from where he started in Pittsburgh, all the way through his next stop, which is to be at the uh, Ambassador East Hotel in Chicago, and then later in Rapid City, South Dakota. So he he knows that if he's going to be trying to prove his innocence, he needs to go and track down Kaplan, so he has to go to Chicago. And then, even while there are no no, uh, bedrooms available on the... Taken As told by the cashier, the cashier was deliberately stalling for time. You watch that happen. He walks away to go call the cops because a guy that looks like the guy that was involved in the UN murder showed up. And so he lies to the guy and to stall for time and says, I'll go and check to see if we can get you a bedroom. And then while he's walking back from the telephone after not checking on on whether bedrooms are available, he's all, you're in luck to let him know that he had, in fact, found a bedroom, the guy was lying to him to stall for time.
1: Now, that's something that you've uh, personally done before, right? Where you've stalled for time for legal issues?
2: Yes. I have had to deal with it in in my job, where we have had to stall someone to try and get the appropriate law, appropriate law enforcement officials involved. It's what you do. So, Telling him, like, there may have been plenty of bedrooms available on that train, we don't know. But he knew which train he needed to go on, and the people who had his itinerary also knew which train he needed to get
0: on if he was going to be in Chicago. So, next plot hole for you, Richard. When Van Damme and company first tried to kill Thornhill slash Kaplan, they tried to make it look like a a drunk driving accident. A plausible plan because they didn't want to draw attention to themselves then why in the world would they try to kill him with a biplane crop duster? Not only it would have been a very low percentage for success, it would in no way appear to be accidental. That's a pretty clumsy attempt by professionals. Why not just drive up to him and give him the old one behind the ear? Well, pretty
2: simple. It's established that George Kaplan has been giving this guy problems for ages. The first one is just, well, we're going to get rid of this guy. And then it doesn't work and then he evades other problems, and then he's out in Chicago, and then they're like, well, I've got access to a plane and a guy with a machine gun, and so I'm going to send him to the middle of nowhere and get him shot. It's a little bit of personal revenge for the guy who believes that George Kaplan has been plaguing him, so it's a little bit of revenge, a little bit of I have access to it, and while it's certainly flashy and showy and definitely terrifying for Roger Thornhill, takes place in the middle of nowhere. Like, the only people who would have been around that Roger Thornhill interacts with was another guy waiting for a bus to leave, who gets dropped off, leaves on the bus, and then he gets attacked by a
1: crop duster.
2: There are no witnesses.
1: And so it'd be a while before they... Find his body, but then they have to figure out he got shot by an airplane. Maybe,
2: maybe they don't. All they know is he's been shot. They found a dead body by the side of a highway. How does anybody there know if the biplane hadn't crashed and the shooting was successful? Nobody would have known what happened,
1: other than that he was shot. Yep. All right. Well, how about this one? This is going to sink this film. This cultural um, touchstone. This is very important piece of art. Ahem. In the dining car scene, Eve reveals to Roger that she tipped the steward $5 to seat him at her table. Later, in her sleeping car room, the state police question her about Roger's whereabouts based on the steward's comments that they were seated together. She tells them she doesn't know him and never saw him before. Yet the state police don't follow up on the suspicious $5 tip detail that contradicts her non-involvement which the steward also probably shared with them. Except also
2: probably shared with them doesn't mean he did. And he probably didn't because that means he accepted bribery. And then the $5 would get confiscated as part of evidence in a police investigation. And he's not getting that five bucks back.
1: Yeah, and you got to remember five bucks was like 20 bucks.
2: Five bucks was a lot more important back then. And you're making an assumption on a thing that we never see in the film. We never see the state police's investigation. All we know is that the guy's like, oh yeah, those two were eaten together. And then she's like, never seen him before in my life. Which, at that point, was true.
1: She didn't even lie. She just misled.
2: So, a $5 tip detail that contradicts things that the state police don't know about. So, they can't contradict using it. Sorry.
1: All right. Well, I'm... I'm convinced about these plot holes.
0: I think this movie's going to hold up. You know? I know. Th- I think it's solid. Yeah, it's maybe we should check in another sixty, sixty years, sixty seventy years.
1: Maybe someone will have figured out something wrong at that point.
0: To be fair, they'll probably just ha- get access to Hitchcock's Twitter feed, and then a Me Too moment will happen. And so let's just say, like, he wasn't actually a very nice guy. He was really
1: yeah. He had his Me Too moments, and they didn't sink him.
0: It was the 1950s, though.
1: Plus 60s. He was around for a while.
0: Yeah. Well, 40s, 60s. Oh, I think he actually started in in the 20s. Hitchcock, that is.
1: Yeah. So as, as a note to that, The Birds was first shown at a um, film festival celebrating Hitchcock, like his 50 films that he's made, and then they showed The Birds. Well,
2: and then afterwards, they when the people left the theater, they'd hidden loudspeakers and played a bunch of bird noises. <laughs> At the people who had just left the theater after watching The Birds. But... Because Hitchcock thought it was funny.
1: But back to North by Northwest, Richard, why did you pick It as your film?
2: So, I really like uh, spy fiction in general. And it deals with a lot of the Cold War spying stuff. That's actually, there's a cultural moment in the film where they refer to an object as the pumpkin, which actually relates to a real... Uh, CIA, FBI spy case where a bunch of micro, bunch of papers were hidden on a farm inside of a hollowed out pumpkin in the 1950s. And it was a, it's just a good suspense film, a good mistaken identity film. And they liked going with the cultural everyman where it's just some guy who gets involved in something extraordinary. It's not. A Specific hero or a war he- or a war veteran,
1: it's not secret service,
2: it's just a regular person who got involved in something out of his depth, which is always interesting.
0: All right, so so, John, would you like to talk? Should we discuss the birds? We can talk about the boys. So, first major plot hole, and you can tell that the movie's going to be off on a low, we got off on the r- wrong foot. So, Melanie was so adamant about knowing the the Brenner girl's name, yet when Annie said it was Kathy, she didn't bother to ask that it was with a C or a K.
1: Ooh, asking the hard questions.
0: It is. Well, look, Kathy,
1: because I know the person who wrote this this plot hole's name was Kathy, and it was Kathy with a K. Like, You felt like you guys can get that, five. It's a very personal thing. I just want to start out that uh, my name is Jonathan. I go by John. And uh, if you think misspellings of Kathy is a thing, you got to have a name with more exchangeable letters. How many different Jonathans have you run into, John? I think five or six, which is a lot. But um, the thing here is, is uh, it's like a 50-50 shot of getting it correct, and I think maybe Kathy with a C was a far more popular spelling at that time anyways.
2: But what if she got to the wrong Kathy, John?
1: I just figure that she was planning on leaving a note, which is what she needed the name for, and... If you walked up and it said Kathy and your name was Kathy and it was misspelled and it was in your house and you say to yourself, well, it can't have possibly been for me because the name is misspelled. That's not what's going to happen. It's for an 11 year old girl who sees going to see Kathy, even if it's spelled incorrectly, knows it's for her. Why'd they misspell my name? Oh, well, I got a gift. And also in the credits, it's Kathy with a C.
0: So we're recording in Utah right now where we, we joke about. Weird names. How does this person know that Kathy wasn't spelled K I A T H E I G H? And maybe with a silent seven.
1: That is a horrible spelling of the name, but I'm pretty sure that that Kathy.
0: Yeah, but some of the Ashleys out there,
1: they get this spelling. That's true. There's a lot of ways to spell Ashley.
0: I saw a way how to spell Erica, which was A I R. uh, Let's see.
1: W R E C K. It
0: was like literally. Erica, Yeah. It's like 20 letters for a five-letter name. If your name is Erica with the 20 letters, we're sorry that your parents felt you needed to be special. And by making you special, made everyone hate you.
2: I work with the public. I see a lot of ways people spell names. And a lot of them I disagree with.
0: <laughs> Are they from the Provo area?
2: I wouldn't know. Oh. All I know is when I see their driver's license, I have to judge their parents based on what's on there.
1: But anyways, yeah, it's a, it's a very complicated spelling problem, I assume. But, you know, an 11-year-old named Kathy, whose alternate is C or K, and it's C, and ends up being correct. I just, you know, not a huge problem.
2: All right. Well, I've got a bigger plot hole than the Kathy, Kathy... Gate. Yes. That's Kathy- what we'll call it. Kathy-gate. Even bigger than Gate. We see Mitch's car in the film, and he has obviously driven it to Bodega Bay, but... At the end of the movie, the only family truck, only the family truck and Melanie's car are seen, and so the family uses Melanie's little sports car to leave when Mitch's car would have been more comfortable. Where did Mitch's car go?
1: So, it probably got left behind at some point in the chaos leading up to getting to the house.
2: You mean people fleeing from random animal attacks might have made illogical decisions?
1: Well, it's also, I mean, they were splitting up and getting together again running to do errands. There was a fire at the, uh, at the, uh, uh, gas station next to the diner where they spend some time. Um, it's very possible just the, they had to end up in one car and that was the car they had and just happened to be the Aston Martin. So yes, his car probably be more comfortable, but, uh, you got to take what's available and the truck's just not going to cut it.
0: Maybe they took the Aston Martin because there were still some payments on it because it's an Aston Martin. I mean, that's a high precision sports car. The truck is probably a beater. It's like, we can't leave the Aston Martin.
1: Well, it's also with the truck. I mean, it's not, doesn't have an extended cab. So was, you'd have the two people in the front seat. Maybe and then everyone else would be hanging out in the truck bed in the, you know, when exposed, exposed. And so that's part of the issue of why the Aston Martin would have been worse than Mitchell's car. Cause he actually had a solid top where she had a convertible. It's an NASA Martin convertible. So it's only got the leather roof.
0: It's still going to be better than a completely exposed truck bed, though. Yes, yes.
1: So it's the steps up. Plus, they are heading to San Francisco, which is her hometown. And maybe if things calm down, uh, the rest of the family can take a bus back or she, she can drive them back down after she gets out of the hospital, assuming the birds haven't destroyed civilization.
0: Well, we know that's going to happen. Yeah. I think it's just the birds' revenge for that as- whole asteroid ca- that catastrophe that happened 63 million years ago. They've waited long enough. They want
1: their uh, reparations for the extinction of the dinosaurs?
0: Basically, yes. We don't know. We don't know their motivi- motivations, and I don't think anyone bothered to ask them. I don't know, John. Why are the birds attacking?
1: Well, that's a good question. I'll get to that. get to that in a second.
0: Okay. Okay, so next plot hole then for you. All right. When Jessica Tandy walks into Mr. Fawcett's house, everything is in perfect shape except a couple of broken cups, and there is not a dead bird in sight.
1: Well, obviously, when they killed Mr. Fawcett, it was a clean kill. 360 no-scope. No beak? I don't know. No, they had to use their beaks because they poked out his eyes. Well, what about their
0: razor-sharp talons?
1: Probably use that, too.
0: I expect
1: that he went down without much of a fight. He might have had getting some cops like that's why there's broken cops. He's getting up his uh, cops. He's gonna mix himself some tea, and then suddenly, bird strike. Didn't see it coming.
0: Now, I can't. strike. Rem- I can't remember. Is he like all cut up or? Yeah, he's he's pretty cut up. Okay, I was gonna say maybe, maybe a peacock flew in there like all stealthily, like, and right as he's grabbing the cup, it, it does its horrible shriek and like flashes its plumes and whatnot and gives him a heart attack.
1: And then it spits a, a poison in his eyes like a Dilophosaurus.
0: Yes, <laughs> we're bringing it back. Sixty-three million-year revenge. Hashtag.
1: That's the the secret scene. Mister getting killed by the peacock. <laughs> he just drops the cuffs and because he's surprised by both the horrifying shriek. Because you don't, peacocks don't sound like you imagine they will.
0: Well, they sound like dinosaurs in like jungle movies.
1: Yeah. And then the huge flare of feathers and start shaking him, And he's like, what? Stop my heart. And then, yeah, dies from a heart attack. They peck peck out his eyes because, I mean, they were going to do that anyways. Well, of course. They're birds.
0: The eyes are so delicious.
1: And then they scratch him up a bit and then they walk
0: out. Clean. And it throws the the investigators off. It's like, it was obviously an an attack.
2: Nobody's going to expect the peacock heart attack.
1: (laughs) The peacock heart attack attack. Well, that's solved it's a very special it can only be used against old men maybe old women too yeah or but or particularly unhealthy individuals
0: makes sense i mean this like this film is a cultural uh, sig- huge cultural significance that just makes it even more significant heart attacks kill
1: so um what why did the birds attack is the question and it's not necessarily a plot hole but it's something that's never concretely answered in the film
0: well, that kind of draws into the suspense, though, because this The Birds is actually based off of a book. My dad has the book of short stories that were chosen by Alfred Hitchcock, and he's like, I really like these stories, and the first one was The Birds, which I read, and the birds just attack. There's no reason. They're just there.
1: See, now, that might be the, the core concept, but I have to come up with a reason for it.
0: Well, we already came up with a reason. Hashtag 63 million year revenge. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's a good one. Um, I'd say so there's a lot of conversation about maybe actually being uh, Melanie Daniels fault like she's at the epicenter because some people say that within the film itself that it's all her fault but I feel like it's kind of um, we talk about her event in Rome where she's knocked into a pole or a fountain and then there's reporting on it how she jumped in the fountain naked but according to her, she was just kind of pushed in and just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Which means that the fact that uh, she's being attacked by the birds is just wrong place, wrong time. We know the birds were attacking before she arrived Bodega Bay, as there was the uh, ship captain whose uh, crew was attacked by seagulls. And the birds were getting more aggressive before all this too. But she just happened to be in one of the centers of the inciting incidents. That's that's all. But the reason is, besides the, uh, the bird's revenge for the dinosaurs, as I'm going to say, a secret CIA project. You know, like MK Ultra, but for birds. I mean, they did a lot of training of animals for uh, the Cold War. And in this alternate universe, maybe they experimented with some drugs or a virus that just drives them crazy. And if all else fails, it's an evolution of the plants where they release spores that make birds kill humans. So it's like a sequel to The Happening, then. It's like a prequel to The Happening.
0: Oh, yes. not. I, I was thinking of Indiana Jones sequels. Oh. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, it just that's part of the suspense, though. That you don't know why it, it's happening.
1: Um, another discussion I saw is because, you know, there's always a MacGuffin. And there's not much of a MacGuffin in the birds. I mean, there's the lovebirds and the whole prank thing. And you say, is the MacGuffin the relationship between Mitch and... Melanie, where's the MacGuffin? Why are the birds attacking? But I don't think there really is much of one in uh, the birds, and it's just meant to be they're in the situation. They have no control. They just have to try and ride it out and survive. And you know that a bird attack is going to happen, but when exactly? You're waiting for it, and that's the suspense. Which means all we have
0: left is rope. John, why did you choose the birds as your movie?
1: Because I think it is an exceptionally well-made movie. It's um uh, has the same pacing as a lot of older films, but it's hard to get bored watching it. The dialogue and the characters are great. The uh, suspense is there. Um, special effects haven't
0: aged that well, but it all depends on the specific scene. Like, uh, like the green screen behind the cars and whatnot, or driving behind cars. Well, and- it was
2: actually blue screen back then. And one of the big things with the birds is that they actually had to improve on the blue screening process because of all of the matte shots they were doing for the birds because the birds moved too fast with their wing flapping they they had to use a specific process to actually make it work it really improved the matting process
1: but yeah so I, i enjoy the setup and the flow um my one complaint i'd be is the ending just kind of happens it just ends Not really a resolution of any kind. and that's because
0: it's setting up the sequel, Birdemic. And
1: Melanie Daniels, as a character, starts out really strong, but kind of peters out at the end. So, I mean, our protagonist is pretty cool at the beginning. She doesn't do much after a certain point.
2: Would you have gone with the uh, San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge covered in birds ending?
1: Yes, I would have. Okay. Or just some comment that you know what the end actually is because you know there's still you end with the fact that a bird attack could be coming but it's very specifically set up in the situation of it's just birds are there less than like the ravens on the playground where you know the attack is coming as you uh as the kids are going through the repetitive song that's reaching its end and so you know that they're going to be coming outside soon as school's almost out cuz that is oh that is a really great scene just how it's all assembled I could just go into that. All <laughs> Again, right.
0: Maybe it's a thing we should do. All right, Eric. Alrighty.
1: We're gonna we're gonna take apart the rope now.
0: With- yep. Oh, I also forgot to mention the plot. So, it, the plot involves a murder, but the the murder happens at the very beginning of the movie. So, spoiler alert for the first ten seconds. And then these two very smart people decide to throw a party around the dead body to just let people or to let themselves know exactly how smart they are. So, so it's I've, kind of like
1: a weekend of Bernie's
0: kind of except the dead guy's not visible, but the people invite like all the dead person's friends and his fiance and just kind of as a, we know something you don't basically
1: know. to dance on his grave
0: basically to
1: show how unimportant to the world. He actually was that nobody cares that he's not there, even though they're all the people who care about him.
2: Exactly. All right. Are you ready to have this film taken apart? Sure. Because there's do one it. plot hole. But boy, it's a doozy. Plot hole for the rope. Our newly dead body would have uh, voided itself, and thus there would have been a distinctly noticeable smell during this whole party we were talking about.
1: And uh, we know it's all in the single-take kind of setup, so if you don't see him clean up...
0: Well, who's to say that he didn't show up to the party first, and then like, can I use your restroom? It literally happens with the murder. So, we don't know, like, we don't see him walking up the stairs, so how could he be in the building? He didn't walk up the stairs. So, I'm thinking: is he did his business, got killed, and then put in a box? But maybe the box is also really uh, airproof, so smells can't get through. Did they have scented candles? I think they had an incandescent light. So, all right. No. Was th- there was there a spread of food? Yes, a bowl of potpourri. I think the box is just it's a it's like a steamer trunk.
1: So you're saying. Um, our victim was preparing for a colonoscopy could have been and hadn't eaten anything in 24 hours.
0: I don't know. We don't know anything about him except that two people wanted him dead. He had a fiance and he was in school with him, but he apparently was dumber than the, the two people. Well, obviously, otherwise he wouldn't have ended up dead. That's true. The movie implies that they're very, very intelligent. So basically no one in the world is safe especially to the main killer, because he assumes that he is smarter than everyone else. He might not be smarter, but- You mean that these people who are super smart
2: might have known that dead bodies vacate themselves of excess
0: things and had him take care of his business before they killed him? You could. I mean, we just don't know. According to this person, and unless you see it, uh, I don't know who wrote this on IMDb, but apparently if you don't see it happen, it never happens. But to be fair, we never see people use the restroom in movies unless it is to accent a point or to serve as a comedic purpose. It's just, it's fairly crass and you don't need to see that.
1: And so, any of these things kind of happen off screen or, and it just, I mean, how long?
2: There was a spread of food, so maybe they just told him to come hungry.
1: I mean, we it's not there long enough to start decomposition.
0: No. So it'd just be our, our base sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's just more nitpicky, like, oh, this is what happens to a dead body. Okay, George, we understand you know what happens when a body gets killed. That's really serial uh, killer-specific tendencies.
1: Want to go talk to Kathy, George?
0: I don't know if that's actually his name, but I pulled out George, so.
1: Well, he's now George.
0: Man, George is the
1: worst. George, he just wants to show off that he knows things. But you know who also knew things? The guys who did the murder. So maybe you're just like them, George. So uh, why do you like Rope, given that there's no other plot
0: holes? So Rope, I really like the concept of a continuous take movie. Um, I also, It's one of those underdog Hitchcock films, though. I mean, Alfred Hitchcock had, and I'm just throwing out a number. I don't know the exact number, but it was in the 80s. He made a lot of movies. And this was one of the first ones where he actually dealt with a continuous take. It's also one of his least least known movies. I mean, John, you've never... I hadn't even heard of it when you, you brought it up, and it's from earlier in his career. Yes. Richard, you've seen it, right? I have. So I watched it with a group of friends in high school because it was the hipster thing to do, because as we've established earlier in this podcast, I am the resident hipster. Mm-hmm. Quick, adjust those glasses you don't need. I, I do have glasses. Well, no, they're reading glasses, so... <laughs> But I'm not wearing them right now. I'll just go cry over my vinyl collection. Okay. All right. Grow my beard out a little bit. Maybe I'll put an amber sand in my name, too. In Where's nice your hand. flannel?
1: It's oh. too warm for flannel right now.
0: I'll wear suspenders and capris. Anyways, right. enough bashing on the idiotic hipsters. Which includes Eric. <laughs> oh, I'm just the established hipster. I'm not... He was a we-
1: hipster before it was uncool?
0: Basically. I've just been uncool my whole life. <laughs> Take that. Oh, <laughs> uh, but let's get back to Rope. Uh, Rope also includes Jimmy Stewart, and I think he's a very good actor. He's been a lot in a lot of Hitchcock movies, but Rope. It's just it's a nice slow burn. You know that there. You know the murder happened, and you're just watching to see when are these guys going to get caught if they get caught.
1: Well, see that's how uh, Alfred Hitchcock describes suspense. It's about the bomb
0: under the table that you know about, though the people around the table don't. But if you haven't seen it, I would recommend going out and watching it. It is definitely, it's no birds nor psycho, but it is, I think it is very good. And I would recommend it. Richard, would you recommend North by Northwest? Absolutely. If you haven't seen any of these
2: movies, go watch them. They're good. Why are you listening to our show? Well, no, keep listening to our show. Well, why pause the show like back before we started talking about all of
1: these films and go watch them and you will be happy they they are good films
0: out of the 3 of us mine is the most esoteric film like i can understand people not watching this one but north by northwest you really should have seen it except for me and john but
1: and the birds you yeah. should go watch that
0: like the the birds is on tv all the time at least it was
1: and currently it's not streaming anywhere for free yeah that's that's it's streaming everywhere for some money
2: Yeah, like, same with North by Northwest. And, like, I went, and they do still have movie stores. Hopefully they still have movie stores when you're listening to this podcast in the future. I don't know what kind of twisted apocalyptic wasteland you live in, but it could be. My copy of North by Northwest
0: was all of $5. So. And we are in the Halloween season, though, so. A lot of them will be on sale. Or they'll be on sale, or they're just shown on regular television.
1: Or, yeah, you can use them. Usually just watch them maybe catch them at some uh i think they'd be like a nighttime showing though like after 10 or if a channel's doing a hitchcock marathon which will happen and you could marathon hitchcock for a week with the movies and also uh, the alfred hitchcock presents so you can uh, follow, uh like us on facebook leave comments about what
0: your favorite hitchcock movie is why do you like it You can also let us know on Twitter in 280 characters or less what your favorite Hitchcock movie is and maybe discuss these, these three movies that we chose with us on there as well. Have you seen rope? Have you watched North by Northwest? We
2: haven't.
1: Maybe we will by that time.
2: Or if it won't fit in 240 characters, you can send us an email to plots Podcast at gmail.com about why all three of us are wrong. And your favorite Hitchcock movie should have been in here
0: we would also like to thank our patron members thanks to you this podcast is able to go on and we from the bottom of our hearts would really like to thank you you specifically yes you in your car trying to fiddle with the volume controls because this got really pe- uh peaky really all of a sudden but we'd also like to invite you to invite other people to join us on patreon share Just share our podcast with them in general. Maybe they have a favorite Hitchcock film.
1: And apologies to Kathy, no matter how weirdly you spell
0: your name. But it wasn't a plot hole. We're in Utah, John. A million different Kathy spell their names a million different ways. But it's still not a plot hole. Sorry, Kathy. And on that note, guys, I really do have a bomb under the table. I know about it the whole time.